0: Hi, my name is Judy Green, and this is my trail podcast about Russia, its history, traditions, nature, everyday life, culture, and whatever the heck strikes my fancy about Russia, at least for the moment. Why Russia? Uh, You can check my episode number one to find out, but just keep in mind that this is insider's view. Okay, guys, before I start, I just want to say that I'm sorry for the delay, because I've been making this episode for a long time, but The problem is, I don't like school. It's not triggering precisely, it's just that I really don't like to think about it, so... Uh, it took a while. Uh, This episode contains explicit language and a lot of my personal feelings and opinions. A freaking shit ton. Because it's that time of year in Russia when poor kitties have to go to school again. After about three months of the glorious summer break. Supposedly, anyway. Education is a topic I feel strongly about. For starters, technically, I work in it. I'm a private tutor and I teach English. I've even worked in a school for a year. And also, I really don't like how our education system works. So, there's gonna be a lot of opinions in this one. (laughs) And actually... I've stalled for half a week to make this episode because it just was... Okay. First, let me tell you what education in Russia looks like. Children start school at the age of 6 or 7. In most cases, that is up to parents. Notice parents, not the kids. Maybe some people ask their offspring opinion, but generally, education is done to you. You don't have choice in the matter. Looks like I will start with the opinions right away. Oh, well. Before school, most children attend kindergarten. These days, they supposedly are taught to read and write there because a lot of schools expect their first grade students to already know that. But in reality, I think it kind of depends on the kindergarten and the school. I mean... Schools in rural areas won't have great expectations and some schools on the outskirts of big cities would be more tolerant to a kid that can't read or write yet. Good schools close to a city (sighs) centre? When parents of my students talk about them, it sounds like they expect kids to know everything already. It's an exaggeration, but there might be an element of truth in it. When I went to the kindergarten many, many years ago, whoa, more than 20, look who's definitely grown up now. We were taught to read and write a bit, but I can't tell you whether it was effective or not because A, it really was a long time ago and B, my mom and especially my great-grandma spent a lot of time teaching me that. And also to count. I think it was mostly their efforts that paid off. Girls and boys study together. Single-sex schools are extremely rare. Uh, The only example that came to my mind is cadet schools. They are probably all boys' schools because Russia is a very patriarchal country and men of a certain age have a huge problem imagining women in the army. There aren't that many schools like that, though. Sometimes it's not even a school, but a class. I have one student who is in all-girls class. Not school, but class. And she, ironically, goes to a brand new school on the outskirts of the city. I call them outskirts because those places don't look like American suburbs. The whole suburban thing looks slightly different in my city. The residents are what? for middle class outside of Moscow, but that particular place is blocks of flats or apartment complexes, if you wish. Anyway, uh, the school is new, but its headmistress is evidently conservative as fuck. So, there are single-sex classes in that school. Boys and girls both attend that school, but depending on the specialization of the class, it might be single-sex. My student is in the media class, as they call that. Whatever the heck does that mean? Neither my student nor her parents know precisely. For now, it's just a pretty name. And for some reason, there are no boys in that class. Like, men don't work in media? I don't know. Boys go to cadet classes. Although, I've heard that my student's classmate transferred to one of those, and the world didn't end. However, gender stereotypes are taught from the cradle here. The most horrifying thing about that school is the fact that the headmistress prohibited girls to wear trousers to school, and God forbid jeans. They have a sort of a uniform, but not really, and girls only can wear skirts. I've heard about the same rule in several schools across the country. If that doesn't sound horrible to you yet, let me remind you that the school is in Russia, and even though I don't live in the north of the country, temperatures do drop to 20 or sometimes even 30 below zero, and wearing skirts in that kind of weather seems idiotic to me. Of course, a girl can wear some kind of trousers to school and then change before class, but That takes time and would mean getting up earlier for some people, and boys don't have that problem just by virtue of being boys, so it's just plain unfair and practically medieval. The vast majority of schools in Russia are state schools, but there obviously are some private schools too. Very few of them are founded earlier than 1917, though, the year of the Russian Revolution, because... Whatever private schools existed before that were probably not spared by the Soviet government during its early years. We also have special schools for children with special needs, I mean with disabilities connected to hearing, eyesight and others. I don't know if that's good or bad. I just know that Russian schools are not especially inclusive. And placing your autistic spectrum child, for example, into a simple local school is a long and arduous process that requires a ton of paperwork and an adult that would sit with them in class. And that's if your child is high-functioning. I hope I'm using the right terminology. I know all of this for sure because my friend used to work with children who are on the autistic spectrum. Okay, so let's imagine an average kid who goes to an average local school. What would their school career look like? Um, From age of 6 to 10 or from 7 to 11, he or she would go to a primary or junior school, whichever name you prefer. They would have 5 or 6 lessons 5 days a week, though in some schools it might be 6 days. Lessons start at 8 or 8.30 and last till, well, whenever they're over. Each lesson is 45 minutes, that's Russian academic hour. The first graders have 40-minute lessons because, you know, they are small and everybody is trying to make their life easier for them for a year. In first grade, kids usually have subjects like Russian, obviously. Plus, there could be writing as a separate subject, maths, reading, art, physical education, music, and nature studies. That's something close to the subject that's called sciences in American schools but on a very basic level in the first grade. Uh, There's also a subject that's literally called truth, which means labor. (laughs) In reality, that's something like handicrafts, though. Kids make different things out of paper, fibers, plastic things, pine cones, or whatever they have lying about, or whatever the teacher comes up with. It's probably quite good for fine motor skills and creativity. Some schools also teach a foreign language from the start. But the majority now start it in the second grade. Uh, the most common foreign languages here are English, French, and German. Also, if the school is in a republic that's a part of Russian Federation, like Tatarstan or Bashkortostan, native language of that republic is also taught at school. Could be from the first year or from the second. Uh, during the next three years, several subjects might be added. It I just gave you the basic set. The rest depends on the school. So, grades one through four are junior school. Next is middle school. That's grades five through nine, and ages ten to fifteen and eleven to sixteen, depending on when you started. A uh, nine grades education is compulsory in Russia. You can't get out, but after it's over, you are free to continue your education or not. Fun fact, when I went to school, we didn't have the 4th grade for some reason. Like, for several years, kids just went from the 3rd to the 5th grade. We didn't lose anything in terms of stuff we were supposed to learn, because school curriculum took into account those changes. I honestly don't know why that was, and don't think that's important. I only mentioned it because my younger cousin likes to bitch about how lucky I was to only have had 10 years of that slow torture called school, while she had 11. And yeah, I was lucky, come to think about it. Huh, cool. Okay, curriculum in middle school is the basis from junior school, but writing is dropped. (laughs) Reading transforms into literature, and that labor subject becomes technology. Uh, For that one, children are separated by gender. Girls are kinda sorta taught... to cook, sew, and maybe do some embroidery? In reality, cooking is just a couple of lessons and very few people truly learn to sue in school. The boys, meanwhile, are supposedly taught to use tools and make things like... Stools. Oops. <laughs> I blissfully forgot about that subject, but now that I've remembered, it annoys the hell out of my feminist heart especially because i remember that boys in my class hardly ever did anything during their lessons while we had to sit and work on our projects also hello perception that some activities should be done exclusively by women and others exclusively by men As the years go by, new subjects get added and old ones transform. In the fifth grade, kids start learning about history and maybe also local history, and social studies, geography, and information technologies. Nature studies become three subjects – biology, chemistry, and physics. Maths is divided and you get algebra and geometry separately. Among the compulsory subjects, there is also this weird subject called principles of personal and social safety. It's where they teach you what to do during earthquakes, tsunami, and terrorist attacks. It sounds useful, but in reality, I remember it being treated as something obligatory, but ridiculous. Even now, none of my students take that thing seriously. Which maybe isn't all that great, but it's hard to make young people seriously think about earthquakes when our city is close enough to the middle of the lithospheric plate and the possibility of an earthquake is small enough to be negligible. And a tsunami is just damn near impossible. And terrorist attacks? Well, I guess like most people, we probably don't want to believe that could really happen to us. When I say compulsory subjects, by the way, I mean they are compulsory for the school. And they could spice things up as they like and have resources for. But it's the school that makes the choice. Students don't have any say in the matter. We don't choose our school subjects. These days, our education system is convulsing. So, something like paid additional lessons that a student theoretically can choose was created. It doesn't work as you think, though. For starters, parents traditionally have way more say in what their children study than children themselves, plus a possibility of manipulation and blackmail by the teacher in these circumstances is super high. I've heard my students say that some teacher would not give good grades unless you attend their paid lessons, so here's a beautiful free education for you. Of course, not all teachers are like that. There are good teachers who believe in what they do, but This also happens. And in my opinion, Russian education system needs to change and radically. But I'll get to that soon. Now, let me tell you that at the end of the ninth grade, students have a series of exams in the form of tests. Russian and maths are compulsory. There's talk of making history and English compulsory too, plus a couple of exams that a student can choose. This system is new in Russia. In the 20th century, we had our own exam format. But in the early 2000s, our leader, that needn't be named, because it's the same one, was trying to integrate Russia into the Western world, of which one can argue it has never been truly a part of. And the part of it was making our education system compatible with the Western. Our politics shifted somewhat, but the new exams format stayed. And it is hated by older generations. Young people who actually have to pass them don't seem to enjoy them much either, although I don't think a lot of people truly enjoy exams in any format. After that ordeal is over, children and their parents have a choice to make go to a high school, that's two years of basically the same with another set of exams in the end. And then you can enter a university or other institution that provides higher education. Or you could go to an institution that provides some sort of professional education right after the ninth grade. They are actually often called colleges in Russia. It can be a school that teaches some technical skills like plumbing or working with electricity. Or medical skills. But you'd need to go to a medical university to become a doctor or a profession like a cook or a hairdresser. I don't want to cram higher education into this episode, so it'll have to wait till some other time. I'm not done with the schools yet. Most schools are general education schools, but if a particular school puts emphasis on teaching science-related subjects and maths, it might be called lyceum, and if it stresses humanities, it'll be called a gymnasium. In the ideal world, in reality, sometimes schools pick those names just to sound cool. Classes start on the 1st of September and end on the 25th of May. Students have four breaks during the year. Autumn break is about a week in the beginning of November. Winter break is from the very end of December till 9th or 10th of January. That's because the main holiday here is New Year and Christmas is actually on the 7th of January. And I'll tell you all about that closer to the actual holiday season. Spring break is about a week in the end of March. And summer break starts when the exams end and lasts till the 1st of September. Extracurricular? (laughs) Uh, Extracurricular activities completely depend on the school's students and parents' interests and organizations that provide those activities separately from schools. For example, we have music schools and art schools that are not real schools. They just provide those extracurricular activities, so you are only taught music or art there. Sports are often not connected to schools too. So, children do them in separate places, separate from schools, I mean, after or before school and on weekends. Oh, about the before school thing. I'm a millennial and for Russian that means I was born during the baby boom of the late 80s. My year was one of the last baby boom years, actually, so there were a lot of us at school. That's why the school that I attended worked in shifts. There was a morning shift and an afternoon shift. It was okay because classes never last the whole day anyway. A morning shift is from 8 or 8.30 till 1 p.m. or one thirty p.m. And the afternoon shift started, well, maybe even before one thirty if uh, there were free classrooms and teachers. Usually only grades that didn't have too many classes got the afternoon shifts. So the 2nd grade or the 4th grade or the 5th and 6th. That meant they would finish around 6 p.m. I don't remember how many years I had school in the afternoon, but I remember it was not a problem, because I'm a late riser and those hours actually suited me. Although it did feel like I wasted a lot of mornings in those days. 90s was the demographic peak period, so in early 2010s most schools only had classes in the first half of the day, But now there are a lot of children again, and the shift system returned. How many people are there in one class? Uh, That entirely depends on a school. In rural areas, classes will obviously be small. In big cities like the one I live in, there easily could be 30 children in one class. I've heard from some of my students that there are 33 of them in class, but I don't think I've heard about more than that. When I went to a regular school, there were 28 of us in class. But when I transferred to a science lyceum, for two years of high school, there were 33. Although, it was partially because that was a very popular school. Okay, I think it's time to tell you about my own experience with Russian schools. I hated school. That's something I'm just beginning to realize properly. I knew I've never been one of those kids who looks forward to a new school year. I've never been especially vocal in my dislike. At least, I think I haven't. But I've never really liked it. I just felt it was something I was completely powerless to change. And it was, in a lot of ways. And it led to me hating even the idea of an office job. I've never worked 9 to 5. In Russia, that's actually 9 to 6. Nor do I intend to. I resent school system and, frankly, I have a ton of baggage when it comes to school and kindergarten. And that's probably one of the reasons I don't want kids all that much. The possibility that I might subject another person to that, apart from the rest of the crap that exists in the world, oh, let's just say, it doesn't feel me with joy. Ironically, I'm good at learning, and I've always been a good student. I didn't have straight A's, but my A's were rarely diluted by more than a couple of B's. I didn't study hard in the sense that I didn't have to work my ass off to get those grades. A lot of it just came naturally, because I am one of those rare people whom our model of education actually fit a lot of the time. I've got a good memory, I read a lot. I memorized stuff by writing it down, it could have been even more effective with other methods if anybody would have bothered to try them, but a lot of it worked just as it was, because I'm lucky to sort of be built this way, though I did always or nearly always do my homework, worked in class, and genuinely I think I was a pretty good student. But school had never made me especially happy. I am a very curious person. I was curious about some subjects in my school curriculum, but the general education school I went to from 7 to 15 was not one of those places that's built to stipulate learning and natural curiosity. They had a program to teach, and they didn't give a fuck about your wants or desires. I had a couple of good teachers. My Russian and literature teacher was great, and my English teacher, I now understand, was very good. Though I've always felt she didn't like me for some reason. Uh, The process of studying was bearable. The worst part was my classmates. They were not the group of people I was ever truly happy with. I think at the end of the ninth grade, that's the end of middle school, they thought we were great friends and everything. But I remember how I and my best friend were bullied and it wasn't terrible compared to some accounts I've read about, but it was damaging enough to give me a lot of issues concerning people and working in groups. I don't have fond memories of them, my school, or anything that had happened there during my time. The main reason, though, is still that I had very little choice in the matter. I didn't choose the school. In Russia, you usually are expected to go to a closest school. I didn't choose my classmates, my teachers or the subjects I studied. I didn't choose to go to school or kindergarten. And I resent that because the biggest lesson that system has taught me is powerlessness. And I'm still reaping the fruits of that. However, my high school experience was very different. I went to a science-oriented lyceum, a private school, and the atmosphere there was completely different. The teachers were amazing. I felt like they really cared. They were attentive and just good at teaching their subjects. So, I was enjoying studying even when I wasn't all that interested in the subjects. I can't say I was super friendly with all my classmates, but we were never unfriendly. Everybody was nice to each other. I had several close friends, and there was never anything even remotely like bullying. It wasn't suddenly all my choice, but I've never felt trapped or completely powerless and isolated there, and I was truly sorry to leave when high school was over. I think it was one of the places I felt most comfortable in, so I kind of find a way to get back and spoil it. Because it was there that I worked one year as an English teacher, and it was not good. I was inexperienced as hell. The program that I had to use didn't suit a lot of children in my class. Because it was a science lyceum, English was not considered a terribly important subject, just something that you can't throw out of the curriculum. And students knew that and treated it as such. They like to ask me why the heck do they even need to learn English, which, well, I was young and I didn't have an especially good self-esteem. Now I would have treated those questions differently, but then I was already working as a private tutor and making more money doing that than I was in my official job. Teachers are horribly underpaid in Russia, by the way. So I was thinking, what the fuck? Why should I spend my time debating obvious things with spoiled brats? And by then, my beloved Lyceum became a school for spoiled brats, because it is a private school and it became so expensive that only very rich people could afford to send their children there. I mean, there always have been people willing to pay me money to teach them English, and I didn't have to prove the merits of it to them. Also, enforcement of discipline in Russian schools often involves a lot of yelling and punishments, and I don't enjoy doing that. It frankly felt like a lot of those kids wanted a dominatrix instead of a friendly person. You could say I wasn't terribly good at it since I could make them all enthralled with my teaching. And I'd say you have very idealistic ideas about teaching. Of course, I wasn't terribly good. That was my first year as a teacher. But with all the limitations of the program you have to teach, there isn't a lot of place for enthralling students. And a lot of teachers far older and more experienced than me struggle with discipline because it's freaking hard, you know. It wasn't terrible all the time, but it's not the favorite year of my life, that's for sure. The best and most life-changing part of it was discovering how ridiculous and unreliable the grading system actually is. Oh, by the way, our grades are not letters from A to E, but numbers from 1 to 5, with 5 being the highest, so when you get an A, in Russia you get a 5. When I was the one giving people 5s, 4s, and less pleasant grades, it quickly became apparent to me How little do they really reflect the student's level of knowledge? A kid could get a 3, so a C, or a 2, a D, and they would feel stupid. But the truth of the matter would be that they didn't prepare for a particular test, or didn't know the particular set of words. Not that they were stupid, yet that's what a bad grade often makes you feel, doesn't it? Or, if it wasn't a test, but an oral answer, the kid would be the best in the class, and I would give them a good grade. Yet, I knew if that same kid was in my other class, where students were better at English, I would give him or her a 4 or even a 3, which is a C. It was all so relative. And. To think that just several years ago, I worried about that, that I took that bullshit to heart, that I felt my grades reflected my worth as a person. When now, I could see that my students were so much more than a sum of grades I or somebody else gave them. I realized that this grading system is very often ineffective and almost always damaging, and I didn't want to work with it. But since my own, oh, so fine education left me with a low self-esteem and something close to a phobia of office jobs, I decided to become a private tutor full-time. This role is a much better fit for me. I never give grades to my students unless they ask me, which they hardly ever do. I create my own program suited to a particular student. The question of discipline is way easier to solve when you have one kid or teenager instead of ten in front of you, and so is enthralling them with your material. The teaching itself is also way easier, so I think one-on-one is a much more effective way to teach languages, at least at the beginner level, than studying it in groups. It's just much more profitable in groups. Still, even though I'm not an official part of the Russian education system, I have enough criticism about it to fill a book. Ironically, my most sore subject is not English, but literature, because I think the curriculum is just ridiculously bad and not age-appropriate. Like, we are supposed to read Dostoevsky and Tolstoy at 16 or 17. The war and peace. How the fuck is that even possible? The thing is huge, not to mention the fact that the author is a misogynist. But I mention them because they are famous abroad. There are a lot of other Russian writers, and in school kids are supposed to read almost exclusively Russian literature. The writers who did not write for kids or teenagers. The topics, the themes, the characters are so far from the student's life that, of course, a lot of them never relate. Students often don't read the full text, just a summary. Those books have no chance of making a kid like reading unless they already enjoy it. Plus, a lot of the texts that children are supposed to read were written in the 19th century, so they have a very different pacing. I'm not saying children should read thrillers, but something like Harry Potter series would be a much better fit if you want to make reading cool for a kid. You are... Also, not encouraged to voice your own opinion about the things you read. You are not taught to think about what you read, but rather to have an opinion that is right. Which is what the teacher says or your course book. And the right one is I've no idea how the fuck they came up with those. Some of it is opinion of critics. All of them dead old white. Uh you know? From now on, I'm going to change white for russian dudes because russia is a freaking huge country with more than a hundred nationalities living here but take a wild guess which nationality gets to voice its opinion in most cases so that's our equivalent of white and after kids are dragged through the outdated program that reflect their life and problems very little they often don't read much and probably not russian classics. And the grown-ups are all like, those horribly lazy young people, uh, they don't read for pleasure. And I'm like, why would they? Unless they've been taught to read for pleasure at home, there was no way they could have learned it at school. And I say it as a person who liked all her literacy teachers and thought they were good at their job. Also, our education system is extremely conservative. It's a soul-sucking torture for a lot of students, but how do LGBTQ youngsters survive that? I honestly have no idea. Just the thought of them stuck in some general education school in a small provincial town makes me want to pray for them, even though I'm not even religious. Oh, by the way, about religion, church here is intertwined with government ideology because Russian Orthodox Church is good for making folks obedient, so the church tries to influence that sphere of people's lives too. And that makes me mad. By law, our education is supposed to be secular, and I'd love for it to stay that way, because I have a lot of reasons to have highly negative feelings and opinions about Russian Orthodox Church. I've been gearing up for the episode about that for a while now. So, to sum up, I think Russian schools do more damage than they do good. They kill curiosity in a lot of children. That's a system that makes us feel like we can't change our life and society. Of course, I know that it is true not just about Russian education system. I know that a lot of schools around the world operate similarly, but it makes it common, not acceptable. I think our system doesn't work anymore and should be changed. And that was another one of my small contributions to changing it. Now it's time for the segment, how do you say it in Russian? I know what I want to teach you today. It's not the word for school. It's a word for friend. It's друг. Drug. As a lot of words in Russian, it has gendered forms, so друг... Is a male version and a female version is padruga. So you would call your male friend drug and your female friend padruga. And that's all for now. If you have questions, ideas, or suggestions, you can always write to me at, at gmail.com or on Instagram at greenily. That's G R E E N N I L Y. There's also a podcast site, journeyswithgigi.com, in one word without capitals of spaces. Each and every one of my episodes eventually gets a transcript. You can find it at journeyswithgigi.com, along with links and some photos. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a review however and wherever you listen, because apparently it's very helpful. And I would be ever so pleased. (laughs) And I would be ever so pleased. Till next week, yours, Gigi, from Russia with love and terrible schools.